Happy Tournament Day. I'm Kevin Powell in for Adam Hogue, who will be on the show in about 10, 15 minutes. He's at Hallis Hall getting ready for the today's press conference. The five free agents the Bears came to agreements with will be introduced to the Chicago media. Jared Payton is here. He's uh, sitting alongside me. He's at WGN-TV, though, but uh, power of technology, it's basically <laughs> like he's sitting right next to me. What's up, JP? What's up, KP? How you doing, man? I'm good. Um... We'll talk. We'll have plenty of uh, time to talk bears, but let's talk a little tournament here. JP, Ooh. are you are you a tournament junkie? Because some people go crazy for this. You know, people. This is the time of year when when men get vasectomies, and I'm not kidding. That is a thing nowadays where men go get vasectomies so they don't have to go to work. And if you're going to have to be, you know, sitting on a couch resting certain area uh, for a few days, why not have something to watch? And when the tournament's going on Thursday, there's plenty to watch. It's kind of funny because I actually thought about doing that, um, but it didn't work out. No, Working some sort of um, like you know a sponsorship into that, Jared, for I, next year, whenever you plan on doing. That. I am not a tournament junkie. You're I used not. To, I used to be. I used see. To be. I was so much more into it when I was a kid. Like I have memories of the cool teacher who would put the games on for like the last ten minutes of class, and we, he'd let us watch and stuff like that. And I used to go all in on it, but now I'm just like. I mean, I'm excited for it, but I, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm jaded. I guess I'm just older. Why, why, why do you think it is for you? Uh, just because I got kids now. It's too hard. <laughs> it's too hard to kind of figure out, you know, all these teams and watch all these games. And I think for me now, being into all the Chicago sports, I'm so tuned in to what our local teams are doing or right. our local basketball teams are doing. It's hard to be able to watch all these games. But I do the best that I can to figure, fill out one bracket, and we'll go from there. That's a good point. It's like like when you work in sports in this town, there's everybody's dialed into every single sports team. Plus, there's two baseball teams in town, so it's a sports junkie um, city. And then when the tournament comes around, you're like, "Wait a minute, I got to do homework on 68 teams," you know? So it's like it almost feels more like work for me, I guess, because people are like, uh, "Tell me about Alabama," and I'm like, "Okay, um, let me bring out my cheat sheet here." You know, it's tough to follow along. But I've I was talking to Hoga a couple days ago on this show, and I I equated March Madness to sort of like the Olympics, where we're not necessarily following these athletes for you know around the year. Certainly not for four years leading up to the Olympics. Some people are. Some people that are really into track and field or snowboarding or or skiing, whatever it may be. But then when the Olympics start, we get all consumed into it. We fall in love with the athletes. Just like in the tournament, we're going to fall in love with some of these players. We're going to fall in love with some of the the schools, the coaches, things like that. So that's kind of what I equate it to. So... I'm thinking maybe like as this goes along, I kind of get a little bit more into it when when actual storylines develop a little bit. Uh, KP, real quick, is uh, Nick Saban coaching the Alabama basketball team as well? He, he is not. Okay. He is not. Although I feel like most Tide fans probably would prefer that. That's, Although they have one of the best players in, in basketball, and I think that's what's so crazy about 
about the tournament is that there's so much going on, but any team can win on any given night. And I think that's what's so cool when you get some of these matchups of a, you know, a 13 seed going up against a, a four seed. They have an opportunity to win, and you don't see that in other sports, especially not the game of football. Yeah, and you know the thing for me is I'm not that into college basketball in general because, to be honest, I think the NBA, the actual quality, the actual product of play is better in the NBA considering there's just so much more talent. I mean, the majority of the college kids aren't going to be going to the pros, which means they're not as good. They're not good enough to be in the NBA. Now, there's some pros and some cons of the NBA. There's some pros and cons of college hoops. But, you know, seeing teams completely stifled by a 2-3 zone and not figuring out a way to beat it or not having enough talent to beat it, it's frustrating. There's a reason you don't see a zone in the NBA. They're just going to dribble past you and dunk the ball. They're going to shoot a three. So, like, the thing I like about the tournament is that it's almost like a highlight reel because there is so many, there are so many games going on that everywhere you look, it's like, you know, it's it's high action moments, high action moments. Instead of actually having to watch a college basketball game from start to finish, where you know some games are great, but some games you're like, man, these dudes look like they should still be in high school. They can't hit a shot. They can barely make a layup. So for me, that's why the tournament's cool because I think I think everybody can kind of get into it because it isn't just the start to finish of one individual game. It's like bang, 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 bang. There's there's consistently like huge moments that are just popping up on your screens, and I think that's why so many people get into it. Like we got to go to the bar and sit in front of fifty TVs, you know. So I think that's that's what that's the appeal for me. I also think that it has it gives the ability to have you know one of these a, a team that has a really really good star on their team. That guy can lead you to you know score thirty points right. and take over a game and win you a game in college basketball, which I think is phenomenal. Yeah, I think that's why if, when I'm filling out my bracket and I, I look at teams, I'm like, okay, they might be an 8, a 9, or a 10, but I can identify a player on the team where I'm like, okay, he's he's clearly better than some of these other guys. And even if his team hadn't won down the stretch or didn't win a ton of games during the regular season, you know it's just different in basketball. If you're a guy and you know you're the best, you can will your way, you can will a team into an entire entire another round. Yeah, that's so true. My question now, JP, is I look at the front page of the Chicago Tribune sports section. Mm-mm. Much coverage on the Loyola Ramblers. The 11 seeded Ramblers playing in their first tournament in 33 years. Um, they are the Cinderella story, although I know that uh, they don't identify as, as, as the, quote, Cinderella story. They believe they belong. They don't think this is just some sort of fluke season, uh, as Porter Moser has said. But when I saw this, I'm like, that's right. They're playing Jared Payton's Miami Hurricanes. So how does JP feel about the local story everybody's getting behind playing against Miami? Because I don't know if I know a bigger Miami fan than JP. <laughs> oh, KP. I'm putting why, you on the spot, but why, I'm curious, you why know? Why did you have to do this to me, man? <laughs> uh, honestly, uh, I'm always a Miami guy to the heart. Uh, you know, playing football there and, and being there for five years and winning a national championship, it's... Uh, one of the highlights of my life. But uh, when it comes to basketball, I grew up a Duke fan. So Really? Yeah. From a young kid, I grew up a Duke fan. And this is, you know, when I was playing at Miami, we were in the Big East at the time. So it wasn't a big deal. Now in the ACC, um, I'm conflicted sometimes when Duke's playing Miami. Um, I want to see Miami win, but I'm also a Duke fan. But I love all the local stories. And we look at Loyola, they're doing something that's special. They're a balanced basketball team. And when you need this point in the tournament, a team that can go the distance or make a nice little run, 
You look at this Ramblers team. They got everything that they need to be able to do that. They can hit threes. They can get you down low, and they play good defense. And I think this is going to be a good matchup with them in Miami, both teams defensive-minded oriented teams. Yeah, Loyola ranks third in field goal shooting and fifth in scoring defense. That's why I th- they don't really shoot themselves in the foot. Watching a handful of their games, they, they just play good, solid basketball. And I know I was just ripping college hoops and the, and the lack of quality play. But that's why when I first watched them this season, I was like, dang, okay. They know how to play. They're a well-coached team. They hit, shoot 40% from three. Uh, great defense. So I'm, I'm like... I think a lot of people have Loyola going past Miami and into the second round. Uh, that's what I have on my bracket. Do you really? Yes. Okay. Well, let's go to your Duke, uh, your Dukies then. They have uh, Iona, which I'm th- pretty sure everybody assumes they're going to cruise past. But Grayson Allen, to me, Whoa. I want I want to touch on him since you are a Duke fan. And Jared, I'm sorry I got to say this, but Duke always has that guy that everyone loves to hate in college basketball: Christian Leitner, Christian Leitner, Bobby Hurley, Bobby Hurley. Keep you can keep going with names if you really want to. So it's like if you're a Sox fan and you JJ Redick, right? Right. Go ahead. If you're like a White Sox fan, you love AJ Przinsky. Everybody else didn't like the guy, but if you're the if you're part of that fan base, you love AJ even more so. Mm-hmm. So when you're watching Grayson Allen, like you can't defend him tripping. I don't understand what happened no. to this guy. He a national title his freshman year, All American. Then all of a sudden he's like. I'm going to start tripping people and playing dirty. He's like, what are you doing, man? You're playing for Duke. Like, have a little class here. I think the hardest thing is really knowing what Coach K is all about. He's not a perfect guy. No one's perfect. But the one thing he does is he finds ways to bring the best out of his players. And it just ah, it baffles me that Grayson Allen hasn't figured it out. And he's had a lot of different chances to, to you know, to kind of get better and learn from his mistakes. And we see clearly from his freshman year to where he is now, on his way out, he still hasn't learned yet. And to be around a guy like Coach K, it just it's, it's mind-boggling that he hasn't figured it out yet. And you're on one of the biggest stages in college basketball, playing at Duke, and you know every single camera is on you. You have to act right. And for a guy that is leading a team that has a lot of young players, he's showing them the wrong example right now. Uh, why does Duke always have an annoying player on their team? Um, Coach K finds one somewhere. I mean, it's, it's is that a must. is that what he's looking for? Yeah, you like, got to. He's like, you look like you have a kind of an annoying face. You look like you could fit into my program. You're signed. Here's a scholarship. But you got to give. But <laughs> it never, works. But remember what I said about you know having guys in college basketball. Grayson Allen's one of those guys that could get hot and win you a game, score you thirty points, and having him and Bagley. I mean, those. Are the type of guys that can change uh, you know, how far you can go in the tournament. Bagley, by the way, how much have you seen him play? Dude, because he's he's nasty. And he looks like he's not even close to peaking yet. Oh, no. He's just scratching the surface right now, KP. You know, he's, he's, his game is going to get better and better. And I think that's the hardest part about watching Duke all these years is that you see guys come in and they're one-and-dones, and you want to see them. Could you imagine how many probably more championships they probably would have won if guys would stay for a little bit longer? And I understand the system, but uh, you want to see guys get better and better, and I would love to see guys kind of go through their college career, similar to what happens at like a Michigan State, where guys don't leave early, and you get right. a chance to watch them for four years. Right. Talking to Jared Payton, he's at WGN-TV. We'll be with you until 2 on Sports Central. We're going to get to Adam Hogan in uh, just a minute from Hallis Hall. He's getting ready for the introductory press conference of the new Bears free agents. Um, JP, can we get your picks for the tournament? Can you give us your final four, your your national title game, and 
Who's going to be standing at the end? Oh, man, KP, come on, man. Uh, I'm going to – I think I have – I know for sure. Let me look at my bracket. I got to bring it up. I think I have coming out of the south, I have Arizona, if okay. I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, I got Arizona coming out of the south playing Michigan. Uh, from the West in the Final Four. Everybody's right in Michigan. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I'm just doing that. And I got Villanova <laughs> going up against Michigan State in the Final Four. Michigan State winning, Arizona winning over Michigan, and I got Michigan State beating Arizona. In the title game. In the title game. You know, President Obama has Michigan State in his bracket as the winners. Great minds think alike. That's, that's right. You got that going for you. <laughs> Uh, let's go to Adam Hogue, who's standing by at Hallis Hall. Adam, have you revealed uh, your Final Four picks or your national title pick? I did, guys. Uh, I just put it on Twitter a couple hours ago. I have Virginia, okay. Xavier, Nova, and unfortunately, Duke, JP. <laughs> and I have Duke beating Virginia in the, the national championship in a game I hope doesn't happen. I hope I'm wrong. I hope my bracket is terrible. Stop hating, man. You're st- you still can't get over that Wisconsin national championship nope. game. Nope. Especially while Grayson Allen's still on the team. <laughs> well, that's what I just talked to JP about. I, I simply asked him, why is there always an annoying guy on Duke's team? Yeah, there always is. There's always an annoying guy. Always. Always. That's how we do, man. It's part of the criteria to play at Duke, apparently. But whatever uh, Coach K is doing, it's uh, clearly working. Um, Let's talk a little Bears here, since we have Adam Hogue, who is the host of this show, also the Bears insider for WGN Radio. Jared covers the Bears extensively as well, so I'm looking forward to uh, hearing the thoughts uh, from both of you guys on this new crop of signings. I think every time... um, I mean, look at at the signings from last year. There was five players that signed, and now all four, four of the five were released. Correct me if I'm wrong, but... It's yep. like there's always there's always this like um, wild enthusiasm from Bears fans whenever there is a new hall of free agents signed. Um, but I think uh, the way I've put this these signings so far to me is that Ryan Pace did just about everything he could do this offseason so far. Right, right. I mean, was there anybody you're like, wow, he missed out on that, or he probably could have went this way? I think for the most part, he pretty much hit on all cylinders. Yeah, I, I think that if you, you take a look at some of the guys that we identified before the process, um, s- certainly Allen Robinson is, is one of those guys that uh, that everyone had towards the top of their list. And then the, a lot of people also talked about Trey Burton as just identifying somebody who's from an offense that's a lot like Matt Nagy's. Uh, that, you know, Doug Peterson was running similar stuff in Philadelphia, and he was underutilized because he was behind two other tight ends, including Zach Ertz. So a lot of people thinking that, and obviously, Ryan Pace thinking that, okay, you add him to this offense, you give him a little bit more opportunity, he's going to have more success. So you at least understand the process. And I think that, guys, that's exactly what we need to concentrate on. You understanding the process here. The results, usually with free agency, are are frankly not good. You hope they're not as bad as last year's class, which is all pretty much gone now at this point, and could be all gone with Deion Sims if if he ends up being let go too, which I'm not so sure about right now at this point. But um, So you, you, you just... You gotta like the the. You look for guys with upside. You don't want to be paying so much for past performance as much as future projection, and you want to go young as possible, which you don't always get with second contracts. And in this case, I think that they uh, they have identified a couple guys here and signed guys that are still pretty young. Well, we know offensively though, Hogue. This was 
kind of the big thing going into off season was trying to figure out how to put more, you know, weapons around Mitchell Trubisky and a guy like Allen Robinson coming in. He's you know, a young number one wideout, and I think a guy that's going to make Mitchell Trubisky's job a lot easier. Yeah, I think that's the hope, guys. Uh, look, it, it, one of the biggest reasons why I kept pointing to the Alshon Jeffrey situation last year, and he didn't want to be here, and that, and that's fine, but he needed somebody like that, right? Whether it was Alshon or somebody else. The one thing that Mitch Trubisky lacked last year, especially for a rookie quarterback trying to learn the offense on the fly, was somebody that, in a pinch, he could rely on throwing the football. He had that with Zach Miller for a little bit, but then Miller got hurt. And it really left him shorthanded. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's a, two benefits to this. One, now you have a dependable, true number one that you can throw the football to. And two, it slides everyone else down a peg. I like Cam Meredith. I don't know that I like Cam Meredith as a number one. Mm-hmm. So if he's more like your number two, then you, and I still think they're probably going to draft somebody and maybe sign a couple other uh, s- smaller guys too. Now you got Taylor Gabriel in the mix as well. And maybe you can still get something out of Kevin White. That remains to be seen. But every, all of a sudden, the rest of the depth chart looks a lot better when you add a true, reliable guy up top. Maybe Waterboy for Kevin White. We'll see. Uh, Dion Sims, you mentioned his name. $6 million base due this year. $4 million guaranteed if he's on the roster for uh, tomorrow. Um, your thoughts on, on Sims, guys? He's sort of kind of that middleman between Shaheen and, and Burton now. Could he maybe take some some pressure off Shaheen if he's still around? What do you guys think they'll do with Sims? Well, I, the, the thing to keep in mind is that he is uh, – it's a different position than what Trey Burton and Adam Shaheen are going to be playing. Uh, so he, he's more of your blocking tight end, and I, and I think right. that that – um, that matters in this situation because, the, but the problem is he, you're probably paying him too much to be. See, just that's that that's guy. what I saw when I yeah. saw his numbers. I was like, whoa, that's kind of steep he, for just sort of a kind of a guy who almost seems non-existent at many times last year. But for a guy that uh, is it, still it's a, still it's an important position, and you can mostly rely on him. I thought his blocking was shoddy at times last year, for the but for the most part, okay. Uh, if you if you do get rid of him, you have to replace him. So who's going to be that guy? Uh, and that just gives you something else to do. And they're not up against the cap. They have money to spend. So it, it's an interesting situation because if they keep him, they're probably overpaying him. But then again, does that really matter? Because it doesn't really hamper them down the road, no, anyways. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I. Uh, I think you got to probably move on from him. I, I start to look at what they have in, in Hogue. You look at Trey Burton. A lot of people, you know, kind of once the numbers came out, eight million dollars a year for him. They were looking going for a guy that doesn't have a lot of production. But uh, when he got his opportunities in Philly, he took advantage of them. So, what do you see? You you see them paying him for the upside there. What do you think his value and how he's going to change this offense for the Chicago Bears? Which, yeah, go ahead, Adam. No, go ahead, Kev. I was just going to say for you guys, I guess Robinson's clearly the the big catcher. So let's say besides Robinson, who gets you most excited among the other players? I guess between Gabriel and Burton, and then Cody Parkey. I don't know what he does for you guys, but um, I, he does everything. Yeah, I mean, you need a kicker. I, mean, I know. So what should we know about Cody Parkey? Twenty one to twenty three field goals last year. Have the Bears finally found someone other than Robbie Gold that can can consistently be their kicker? Yeah, see, I don't know, guys. Here's the thing. As much as I like Allen Robinson, we got to be realistic about all this. Yep. This, most likely a couple of these free agents are not going to work out. 
it, it's just the way it works. Right. And and so we can be excited about Allen Robinson. You can be excited about um, the upside with Trey Burton. But uh, if Trey Burton doesn't work out, if he doesn't live up to this, uh, you know, some guys are, are always, it's like a backup quarterback. You know, they, they always look good until they have to go play more, yeah. right? Okay, so just because we everybody sees upside in Trey Burton doesn't mean when he actually goes out there and plays 70% of the snaps instead of 30 that he's going to be a lot better. Um, I'm not saying he can't be, but that's just something you have to keep in mind. And then Taylor Gabriel, like the speed, um, but, but why did he never really get more production in the Falcons' offense if he has all those skills? So that's something to keep in mind, too. Maybe Matt Nagy's offense is a better fit. We'll, we'll see. But a couple of these guys are not going to work out. Uh, and Cody Parkey, look, I'm, if there's one position I've been very negative about, it's the kicker spot since they let Robbie Gold go. And yeah. they're just cycling through these kickers. So I, I, I have no idea. I'm not a kicker expert. I don't know. Um, Cody Parker seems to be, Parkey seems to be pretty reliable. Uh, doesn't have the biggest leg in the world. But who knows? He, gets, he goes from Miami to Chicago. All of a sudden, he might start missing a lot. Uh, Hogue, do you like the fact of the Bears re-signing Prince of Mukamara? I do, I do, because I thought he was the best corner on the team last year. I thought Kyle Fuller took a big step forward, but it was no, very noticeable to me that teams avoided Prince and kept throwing at Kyle Fuller. Uh, he's a great locker room guy. He was a great fit in Vic Fangio's defense, and I, I think he's worth every penny that they paid him. Still only 28 years old. I think you can definitely get a couple good seasons out of him. All right, I want to talk to you guys about how this potentially affects the draft plans and I'm not saying these signings even changed what they had in mind for the draft because I'm sure it's the total package. It's okay, we're going to attack free agency. Ideally, we get these guys, and then that'll all you know roll into the draft. So for me, some people are like, well, they went all offense. They're clearly going to go defense with the eighth pick. And I'm like, well, there's really nobody. I shouldn't say that. I'll get your guys' thoughts on that. But for me, it's it almost seems like they're just going all in on offense. Do they go with Quentin Nelson at eight? Now do they go defensive side of the ball because they have – you know, made all these offensive signings in free agency. How do these signings impact what Ryan Pace is going to do in the draft? Well, first of all, nothing bothers me more than when one guy signs and then someone immediately writes to me on Twitter, oh, this means they're definitely going with this guy now in the draft. <laughs> uh, usually it has no impact whatsoever. Maybe a little bit of an impact in terms of just, uh, okay, maybe a position becomes a little bit more of a need. But if we've learned one thing about Ryan Pace, uh, everyone talks about, uh, you know, sticking the best player available. Um the few GMs actually stick to that truly. And I'm not saying Ryan Pace is stuck to that to every single pick because I think it's pretty obvious that last year he was going to go get a quarterback no matter what. But for the most part, I think they do stick to their draft board. And while edge rusher is, in my opinion now, 100% their biggest need, uh, I don't know that Bradley Chubb's going to be there at number 8. And I quite frankly think Quentin Nelson is a better player overall. So... I, I, I don't necessarily think that, and if we learn, look, the, the quarterback thing last year should be the biggest example. Mike Lennon got signed, and everyone was immediately like, oh, okay, this probably means they're not going to draft a quarterback yep. in the first round. Well, well they did. Yep. Anyway, and they, not only did they do that, but they traded up for one. Yeah, that's a good point. It's crazy to, to think about Hogue, but with Matt Nagy now getting a chance to look at some of these different offensive guys that he's going to be able to use, how excited do you think he is to try to get start getting this offensive offense kind of going in the right direction. Yeah, well, first of all, they got to be pretty antsy here because based on the CBA, they can't even give the players a playbook yet. Um, so the good news is the Bears will get an extra 
uh, mini camp in April to start installing this stuff. We're, we're getting pretty close to the time of year. It, I think it's like the first week of April when these guys will start to be able to show show back up at Hallis Hall and start working out and start getting going with this off season program. Um, but I. You know, even just seeing some of the uh, Instagram posts and tweets that are out there this morning from some of the players, uh, it seems like there's a renewed energy, um, and, and certainly on the off- offensive side of the ball, I think everyone's pretty excited about this offense. So we'll just have to wait and see how it all comes together. Um, what do you want to know from this press conference? What are you going to ask today? From uh, Are they introducing all five together at the same time with pace? I mean, what's the plan today? Uh, that's vaguely what we know i don't necessarily know um exactly how it's yeah i don't think they'll the, maybe they'll do all the players at once and then have ryan pace talk separately that'd yeah. be nice um, but what do you want to know then i guess from either one of these players or from ryan pace what are you hoping to ask or get out of some of these guys today well i i think my biggest questions are still directed towards the general manager not necessarily these players that have been signed um it's always nice to know why they want to come to chicago why they think uh, Matt Nagy is uh, a good fit for them, and why this offense works because that'll give us a big, you know, a good idea about why this is now a destination. Which I think uh, that at least is encouraging, especially from Allen Robinson's side. That, uh, in my opinion, the top wide receiver available wanted to come to Chicago and be in this offense. I think that's a good sign. Um, that being said, I, I still want to know from the general manager what the plans are defensively because it is it is pretty glaring that all five guys up there today uh, contribute offensively. Even the kicker puts points on the on the scoreboard. What about the defense? What about especially the pass rushing situation? Because it's a dire market out there in free agency. And I think after Bradley Chubb, it's not the greatest year in the draft. And I'm I'm quite frankly worried about that unit right now. Hey, Hulk, uh, if you had to give Ryan Pace a grade so far at some of these moves, what would it be? Well, I, you know... I, a minus, actually. Uh, I, I'm pretty like like, and I and I, again, I try to keep this to the process and the the thinking, not so much the results. The results ultimately matter as they add up, but you know, it's like a draft class. When a draft class comes out, you have no idea for three years how good it's going to actually be, but you you try to evaluate who else was on the board, who else was available, um, what the needs were, what the upside fit schematically is, and age, and you add all that up, and I think that this draft class, you know, it makes a lot more sense to me to be signing a young tight end with upside than a 32-year-old safety, like last year with Quentin Demps, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, I will say, the thinking with Trey Burton right now is the same thinking they had with Marcus Cooper, who they, who they thought still had upside, was young, and was being underutilized in Arizona's defense. And he had a background with Vic Fangio, too. And that didn't work out. So we still have to be prepared for that as a possibility that just because the logic here adds up doesn't mean the results will. But in terms of today, just judging it, I, I, I pretty high remarks for what Ryan Pace has done the last couple of days. Hey, guys, around the NFC North, some pretty um, – Bears aren't the only one making making moves. We saw what the Packers did. No more Jordy Nelson. He's, he's let go. And then Jimmy Graham's brought in. We'll get to the Vikings in a second, too. But your thoughts on what Green Bay's done so far? Both of you guys, go ahead. JP, go ahead. Um, you know, Green Bay is just is interesting. Any time that you have number twelve as your quarterback and you add weapons around him, I think you know with Jordy, it was a little bit of a, I don't know, a little surprise to me. I thought that you know he would probably still be around, but I think that's what happens in the NFL. Things change. I want to see how Jimmy Graham is a guy that's not. 
he's kind of on the, the downside of his career. How, what does he have left? It's going to be interesting to see how that all plays itself out with him and Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, but they're still the Packers, so I don't like talking about them. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've been pretty critical of that franchise since January, and I maintain that. I don't like the direction that they're going in. I don't like... I don't like the way that they split up responsibility in the front office. I think that that eventually leads to conflict when you don't know who's in charge of what. Um, And I think that if this team doesn't win this year, that Mike McCarthy could actually be in some trouble too. Now, as long as they have number 12 behind center, I think it's going to reduce the conflict and they're going to be okay. But just again, looking at the process, not a big fan with the way that different guys have different uh, head coach is uh, reporting to one guy, GM's reporting to another, and then you have uh, uh, now all of a sudden this philosophy that Green Bay has not had for all these years when they've been pretty good, signing 30-year-old free agents. Uh, I I do think that you have to supplement in free agency a little bit, but it's and I think I'm going to end up writing about this by the end of the week. It's a big difference what the Bears are doing right now, looking at younger options than what the Packers are doing and going out guys who are probably uh, going out and getting guys who are really over the hill at this point. So I think it's all going to start to add up. And at some point, that quarterback is going to stop playing as well. I don't think it's going to happen necessarily this season. Will he, though? Yeah, I mean Tom Brady's forty. But but what else do they have right now? Seriously, look at that entire roster. Well, I know that that's that's been my critique of the Packers. Um, Aaron Rodgers is thirty four. You know the window is closing for the Packers. You know what I mean? So it's like I've I've felt in in Rodgers' entire time there for the most part they've never done enough to help him out. The fact that they've only have one Super Bowl with Rodgers, that should be a dynasty or, or or multiple Super Bowl at least appearances for the Packers. Well, well, and I think that that's because while they did a good job drafting, they didn't do a good enough job of finding the right fits in free agency. They really were spent too many years not signing anybody. Now they're doing the exact opposite. Now they're now yeah. they're spending a lot more money on guys who are, are you're, you're you're paying for past performance. You're not going to get out of Jimmy Graham. What what he's being probably not even the ten touchdowns right. he gave uh, Seattle last year and Mo Wilkerson he it, hasn't been good in two years. It's it sort of felt like for a while at Green Bay they drafted so well and that's obviously how you want to build your franchise and that's why they've been so good. But it seemed like when the time to strike in free agency, yeah. I mean we, we've all discussed what free agency should be to a franchise. You obviously can't build via free agency, but it felt like with a time when they needed to strike and go get that big number one or go help out Rodgers and get a ton of talent. It just kind of felt like they stood pat with their draft picks a little bit, which which has worked for them. I mean, look how many games they've won here. Let's be realistic. But at the same time, it's like I don't th- I don't think they've done enough for Rodgers in his time with the Packers. Yeah, oh, no. and, and by the way, guys, uh, the other two teams in the division, I, I I think the Vikings made the right move to go out and get Kirk Cousins, but he's just really. Uh, to me, that missing piece. So they're probably going to be pretty good this year and may have a chance to win the Super Bowl this year. But how long is that window going to stay open? Mm-hmm. I don't know that it stays open for two or three more years. So it, it, they're a little bit better. They're not a lot better, but they were already a pretty good team. And then the Lions are just sort of signing guys that are just middling middling dudes, and that's what the Lions are. They're kind of a middling team that are always in the middle of the pack. To me, the Bears are the only team in this division right now that have gotten significantly better over the last few days. <laughs> that makes me feel so much yeah, better. JP smiling I, over I, at Bradley I love Place. It. Yeah, that's a good point with the Vikings, though, because what are they built on right now? 
They're built on a hell of a defense. They're built on, they don't have a franchise quarterback. So I was yeah. totally fine with them going to get Kirk Cousins because you know, you're not going to have a, a top 5 defense for a decade. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not, you're not going to have it for half a decade. But Co- quarterbacks are a little bit different. So that's why I was all I was I am with you. I agree KP, on the Kirk Cousins signing. I got to ask Hogue one question. What do you think about the Cousins deal and how it changes the game just a little bit for quarterbacks moving forward? Well, not just quarterbacks. I mean, the players. I, I I have to imagine that the owners around the league aren't necessarily happy that a team gave out a fully guaranteed contract. Yeah. Um, and certainly one that leads up right to the end of the CBA and some of those negotiations that are going to happen in, in a few years. I, I do think that the NFL is just so powerful that ultimately they're going to get what they want out of this, and I still don't think you're going to see a ton of uh, – guaranteed contracts starting to show up all the time um but it may become an option for some of these guys like you know aaron Rodgers is is coming up here and he's going to get paid a lot of money does he does he take less years and a fully guaranteed contract over uh and, and then the funny thing about some of the structures some of these contracts are structured that way anyway they look like they're six year huge deals when really the guaranteed money's all in the first three years and then it kind of becomes a one-year option for the team beyond that so uh it, it was certainly interesting to see um i think it was the right move for the vikings at this moment but I also don't think Kirk Cousins is a you know a huge difference maker that can lift an entire franchise, and uh, it, the Vikings are still going to have to be very good in all other areas. So Rodgers is due up after this year. Uh, correct, but I, I would have to imagine that that deal gets done this summer, right. and Matt Ryan too is coming up too. So, so, what so both think, of those guys are looking to get paid. So what do you think Rodgers fetches? I mean, I, I understand like. You know, for for Kirk Cousins, it was the perfect storm, right? I mean, he was the top quarterback, and that's not saying a whole lot. You're looking at a team, as you mentioned, with a with a small window, likely. Um, that worked out for him. I know it's – but Rodgers can ask for the world, right? I mean, that's the whole franchise is on him. He could be like – he could be a total punk about it and be like, I want this, this, and this. Uh, yeah, and, and – and I don't know that the Packers are going to give them that. That's the thing. So, well, I mean, they should. Eventually they'll work something out. I'd be very surprised yeah. if they don't. But uh, that's what's interesting about this this Kirk Cousins contract is it's so different yeah. that, you know, in the past we've just seen, okay, Jimmy Garoppolo was up next, so he got the next biggest contract. And then, and then the plan was that Kirk Cousins was going to get that. Well, Kirk Cousins did get that, but in a completely different way with all this guaranteed money. So that's what I'm saying, whereas I think it just kind of opens up a new possibility um, for Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers and how they want to do it. But however it works out, those two guys are going to earn more money. Uh, you know, whichever one's next to sign is going to get more money than Cousins, and then the last one is going to get, right. you know, that's just so on and so right. forth. That's right. how the league works, especially at that position. Hey, one other thing I want to throw um, your guys' way. Julius freaking Peppers <laughs> is 38. Jared, you played professional football. This yes. guy's been 17 pro seasons, and he had, didn't he have 11 sacks last year, which was tied for the lead with a, a team lead for the Panthers? He's coming back. I want to know what yep. he's. I want to know how he's working out. I want to know <laughs> what he's eating. I want to know all that stuff because I'm 37 and my body aches every single morning <laughs> that I get up, and I can only imagine playing that many years in the NFL. He is. He's, he's unreal. He that, he is unreal. 
That's why, guys, I suggested the other day that the Bears just go out and give them money for one year. Why not? Yeah. I mean, you got one year, $5 million. I, and I now, now, again, you go back to the process. Signing a 38-year-old doesn't necessarily... But you know exactly what, what he is. I mean, but you're, that, not, you're not putting all your stock into that. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, bring, come back for a year. You're going to get us eight, nine sacks. We'll take it. That'd be it. great. Yeah, and you're overpaying for one year, but it doesn't kill you in the future. Right. Somebody has to come up with some production next year rushing, rushing the passer. Um, so I actually thought that would have made sense. Now, it sounds like he wanted to stay in Carolina. Yeah, he did. He gets yeah. his $5 million, yeah. so that's fine, but um, it, he's amazing, and it's amazing what he continues to do. I'll tell you what. I, I sent Ryan Pace you know, an email saying that if he needed another running back, I mean, they didn't have to pay me. <laughs> he's holding, handing out money to everybody else. Yeah, take a, a hometown discount. Yeah. 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 Take a million. Yeah. It's just a mill. <laughs> it's Third down back. That's all you need yeah. me for. I'd like yeah. to see that. Yeah, how are you in pass protection? Oh, come on, man. That's what I was known for. <laughs> Can you teach Jordan Howard how to catch the ball? Uh, I don't know. That's going to take some work. I think he can get better, but he has to really focus in on his craft if he wants to get better. Because that's another question, Hogue, is how he's going to fit into this offensive system if he's not able to catch the ball on the backfield. How do you think he fits in? I mean, you're the running back guy, and, and you've seen this Matt Nagy offense, at least the, the Andy Reid and Doug Peterson version. He's, he's going to have to get better catching the ball on the backfield. If not, it's he's going to be a liability as, as good as he is as a football player. That's It's plain and simple. Yeah. It's plain and simple. He's got to get better. Uh, guys, one of the, I know both of you got to get ready for the press conference, JP. You got to run. Uh, we didn't even touch on Chase Daniel. Your thoughts on that? Uh, fine. I mean, it's look. Just whatever. He. What I'm worried about is can he play if Mitch Trubisky goes down? And I think that's getting somewhat overlooked here a little bit. He's 31 years old, which is fine for a quarterback. That doesn't really matter. But he's got two starts in his career. Uh, he's thrown the he's thrown a football 78 times officially in regular season NFL games. Okay, one touchdown, one interception. He's basically never played, if we're being honest. So I love the fact that he's probably going to be a coach in this league in the future. I think he's going to be great for Mitch Trubisky's development, and I do think that that matters. But what happens if Mitch gets hurt? Because it looks like the rest of this offense looks like it could be pretty good. So I'm not saying you need Nick Foles to come in there and keep everything going like this team's going to the Super Bowl, but they need to keep things moving for everyone else on the team too. And I just don't know if Chase Daniel can do that because, quite frankly, he hasn't played. What's the word on Mark Sanchez? Could he potentially be your th- your third quarterback still? Or uh, what's that, that status? That might depend on his other options. I do know that he was interested in coming back to Chicago. Uh, if you know if he has a better chance to actually get into games somewhere somewhere else, then I would think he would be interested in that. But if not, I do believe that you need three quarterbacks. And I thought that Sanchez was valuable last year, and at least we've seen more of him playing the actual game of football. He's yeah. not great, but he's also not terrible, and so I, I would feel more. I would feel better about the quarterback situation, the backup situation, if Sanchez was also signed. I, I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, he doesn't have a, a lot of experience, but he does have. You know, he's been around, and that's the the one thing that you just hope and pray that Mitchell Trubisky stays up and stays healthy. That we don't have to really start talking about this, but it's the NFL, and things happen. Adam Hogue at Hallis Hall, Jared Payton at WGN-TV. Uh, guys, just any other final thoughts from this free agency period, uh, whether it's pertaining to the Bears or just around the league? Uh, just that the Bears are probably not done. There's always a second wave. It always dies down for 24, 48 hours, and then things tend to pick up again. Marcus Cooper was kind of that second wave of guys last year. So uh, there'll be more signings to evaluate here. But for now, today is all about these uh, five guys that the Bears added uh, officially on uh, officially yesterday. 
JP, you got anything around the uh, free agency world of the NFL that's caught your eye? Ah, the biggest thing. Mm, that my Bears are doing what they're supposed to do. They're on the right track. I, mean, I, I think that's it. That's a good way of putting it. I'm they saying, did what they needed to they do. Did, mm-hmm. They're they're being looked at as a destination, and listening to Allen Robinson say that is is that's piquing my interest just a little bit. I'm excited about that. And boys, the first game of the NCAA tournament is in the books. I don't know if either one of you were keeping an eye on this, but I certainly was here back at Tribune Tower. Rhode Island beats Oklahoma in overtime. We got an overtime game to nice. kick off the tourney. That was fun. Nice. I'm one. I'm one and zero in my bracket. I had Oklahoma. CMI. I know. So did I. Yeah. There you go. There All you right. Go. You shouldn't have done that. You heard the Dickie V rant on Monday. You knew that they're not good. <laughs> That's true. That was pretty awesome. Um, all right, boys. Uh, thanks for jumping on. I know, uh, Adam, you got to get ready for the press conference. JP's always got things to do. He's a busy, busy man. Uh, at Adam Hogue on Twitter, at Peyton Son on Twitter for Jared. Um, boys, thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. See you guys. See you guys. All right. Adam Hogue and Jared Payton covering bears, talking stuff, doing things. Um, I, and again, just kind of start how we just, you know, began the bears discussion for the most part. Is there anybody out there free agents wise where you're like, Ryan pace missed out on that guy. I don't think so. I think for the most part, Ryan pace did everything he needed to do. I thought Jared put that, put it well, that they did what they needed to do. They went and got receivers. They got help on the offense end to help Mitch Trubisky. That's the most important thing. Um, the NCAA tournament is underway, whether you're listening live or uh, eventually on podcast down the road. Game one in the books. Rhode Island beats Oklahoma in a thriller to kick off the tournament in overtime. That was fun to watch. And I know most about everybody in Chicago probably has Loyola moving on to the second round. A lot of people getting behind the Ramblers. Um, Chris Collins for the Northwestern Wildcats. They were last year's version of, of Loyola, and probably even more so because it was the first time they made it. But Chicago is behind Northwestern. Um, obviously kind of a letdown this year. Didn't have the type of season they were hoping for, but we get at least one Illinois team in, and it's a Chicago team. Loyola headed to the tournament. They play Miami uh, this afternoon at two ten. So uh, Chris Collins joined Steve Cochran and Dave Ennett this morning on WGN Radio, and we'll get uh, Chris Collins' thoughts on that in about uh, sixty seconds, right here on Sports Central. WGN, This is where WGN Sports Central lives. Streaming right now with your host, Adam Hogue. Adam Hogue is at Hallis Hall right now. He's getting ready for the Bears' introductory press conference. Are there no free agents? Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Trey Burton, Cody Parkey, a kicker. Everybody's excited about that. Um, so there'll be plenty of uh, Adam will be back in studio tomorrow with, uh, I'm sure, plenty of Bears talk and reaction to today's press conference at Hallis Hall. Um, meanwhile, obviously, the NCAA tournament underway. Rhode Island winning the first game of the tourney, and it was a fun one in overtime. I know many of you are excited about the tournament. And uh, as I mentioned, Chris Collins, Northwestern's head basketball coach, joined Steve Cochran and Dave Ennett on WGN this morning and um, was asked about Loyola and their chances in the tournament this year. 
I love Loyola. Um, you know, we had a chance to get together with them before the season and have kind of a, a practice scrimmage game. And you could see, uh, you know, then that they had something special going. They have great veterans. They're really well coached. Um, you know, very together team. And I would not be surprised if they uh, found a way to win. I mean, Miami's a, a heck of a team, and, and it's going to be a tough game. But um, we're behind those guys. It'll be be fun to watch them this afternoon. A lot of people have seen some similarities between your team last year and this Loyola team obviously for these guys first time in the tournament even though Loyola's been there before and and maybe the way they play a little bit on defense do you see some similarities there Chris? Yeah no I think it's a a similar makeup Um, they're a collection of their parts you know and that's that's what really made us good last year. Um, we weren't really relying on one or two guys to carry the load every night. We we had a team in every sense, and I think that's what you see with this Loyola team. You know, they have veteran guys. Uh, they they function really well together. They share the ball. They play great team defense. Uh, Porter does a great job coaching them. Um, they're very confident, obviously, with the run they've gone on in their conference. And, uh, you know, they're, they're equipped to do well. Um, you know, I think when you look at the NCAA tournament, you know, the common theme is, you know, a lot of times it's these veteran teams that guys that have been around play together. Uh, I call it sweat equity. You know, when you when you've put that into your program and gone through the ups and downs over your journey and, and now become a veteran player, um, you know, you, a lot of times you see those teams really come together and, and, and make great runs as they become older. You know, Dave, you don't want to get too chalky. You know what I mean? Right. The now, easy okay, thing I know is, that. The easy thing is just to go top seeds in all four regions, and that's really not the way to go. Let's talk about Virginia for a second, Coach. Virginia, great, great team, but they don't seem to play well from behind. Is that going to be a problem? It could be. Um, you know, obviously, I, I saw yesterday, too, they, they lost one of their key guys mm-hmm. uh, to, to a broken hand or wrist or something like that. And uh, obviously, this time of year, anytime there's there's personnel um, injuries, things like that, that can throw off your, your rhythm a little bit. Um, you know, they're, they're one of those teams, though, that, you know, maybe, you know, aesthetically, you, know, you watch them and, and, and you don't sit there and, and get overly excited about, you know, them running up and down and, and hitting a bunch of threes and going on runs, but all they do is win. You know, they, they're probably the best defensive team in the country. They, uh, you know, they, they function well on offense and they, they are there. They just win. And, you know, I, I, they've had an amazing year this year. Anytime you go 17 and one in the ACC, uh, in a league that has Duke and Carolina, that's pretty good. You know, all those, all those, uh, all those teams is pretty darn good. So, you know, I, I think they're, they're going to be, they're going to be ready to go. But, but like you said, they're not, they're really not wired to be a come from behind team. So, um, you know, that'll be the, the main thing. If they can just play their game and continue to do what they're doing, that they'll probably make a deep run. I got Arizona coming out of the South. Uh, and, and, you know, I think they're hot and uh, they're overdue. Yeah, I, I think that four seed was, was way too low on them. I mean, uh, I think a lot of us, we don't get a chance to see them a lot because of the West Coast. You know, the games are on later, and, and they have a player in DeAndre Ayton, a, a freshman big man that is most likely going to be the number one pick of the draft. Um, he's an absolute monster. I mean, he, he does it all. He's big. He's physical. He, he's he's worth the price of admission to watch. So, uh, you know, if you get a chance, check him out. He's, he's a big-time player. 
Let's talk about the Big Ten contingent. Michigan, obviously, the hottest coming off their performance at the end of the season and then in New York. But I've got Purdue and Michigan State both in my final four um, because I think they both have the tools to get there, Coach. Should um, should anybody be shocked if either or both of those teams is able to get there? Not at all. Uh, they're both... They both have all the the things you need to be successful this time of year. Um, obviously, two of the better coaches, um, great personnel. They have they have good guard play, excellent front court play. Um, I think the thing that's going to be most interesting, and I know we've all been anxious to see, is you know for the first time ever the extended layoff for the Big Ten teams. You know, we played our conference tournament a week earlier than everybody else. Um, there's been almost two weeks off. I think you could see it really benefit a team like Purdue. Um, you know, Purdue, I thought, got a little bit tired at the end of the season. They had to play as a team last year in the World University Games, so it's been a long year for them. I, I thought they wore down a little bit the last couple weeks. Uh, I really think you're going to see a, a renewed uh, energy out of Purdue with the two weeks off, but that's always going to be interesting. You know, we're not used to doing that. A lot of these other leagues are, um, but, you know, how these teams approach the, the two weeks. How were their practices? Were their guys able to get refreshed and, and energized and ready to go? And will there be any rust? You know, when when you get where you haven't played in, in so long. So I think that'll be an important factor to, to monitor with all these teams. I got Xavier winning it all would be a big a big upset. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm trying to decide if I really believe that or if I just think it's a cool hat. <laughs> yeah, the, the X the X marks the spot hat is is pretty good. Um, but they're good. Um, uh, they they have an outstanding player in Trayvon Blewett, uh, who's as good a scorer as there is in the country. And they got Bill Murray. The East, and they got Bill Murray. Uh, Bill Murray's son is an assistant. Uh, great guy, Luke Murray. So um, they're they're going to be tough to beat. They've had an incredible year, and they got a lot of veterans. Like you hear that, you know, out of me a lot. You look the past, you know, so often, you know, five seven years. It seems to be the teams that really advance deep and make Final Four national championship runs are the ones that have key veterans and right. you know, veteran-laden teams. No matter how much uh, talent there is, it's tough for five freshmen to win uh, and, and go this deep. It is. Um, it, it is. D- Dave, who do you have to win it all? I forgot. Well, I, I got... And, and Chris, you'll like this because I got Michigan State and Duke meeting in the Sweet 16. They played that game at the United Center, remember, back in, uh, what, November, yeah. the Champions Classic and high-scoring game. Uh, but I've got you – know, Duke's kind of had their number lately. But I got Michigan State getting through there, getting past Purdue in the semis. Virginia, Gonzaga meeting on the other side, and then Virginia and Michigan State and Michigan State winning it. I mean, who knows? But but I don't think I'm that far off base. How about you, Coach? Who wins yeah, it? I always go with Dave in it. So whatever Dave, <laughs> you know, Dave? Says, Yeah, it seems you know, solid. It seems like a solid Dave. idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, it seems I've solid. In my five, I've learned in my five years, go with Dave and good things happen. That's so, why that's, all over Steve alert that too. That's why all over the Northwestern campus the GWD bracelets are catching yeah, on. That's it. Go, with, go with Dave. Go with Dave. Oh, so no doubt. Where are you going to watch the games? Just hanging out at home? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll be in the office a little bit, you know, just uh, wrapping up uh, probably some of the afternoon, have it on in the background, got some meetings today, but uh, then I'll be at home with the family, uh, you know, being a fan, unfortunately, which I was, wish we sure. were playing, but uh, we'll get to work and, um, you know, hopefully get ourselves in position to be back there next year. It's going to be a big 2018 fall and a 2019 spring, Coach. Make a note of it. It's going to be a great season. <laughs> No, I appreciate it. We're excited. New arena on the way. Yep. Um, you know, we got we got a big freshman class coming in, some key veterans. So, um, you know, we, we got a lot of work to do, but I think our guys are hungry and, and anxious to get after it and uh, and get ourselves back to where, where we want to be. All right, Coach. Good talking to you, my friend. Good. Yeah, enjoy the games, guys. Great time of year. See you later. That's uh, Coach Thanks. Chris Collins. Coach Chris Collins, Northwestern Wildcats, with Steve Cochran and Dave Ennett this morning on WGN. Um, and I'm with Cochran. I hope uh, Northwestern can get things back on track next year after a down season. A lot of high hopes this year. But um, good insight from Coach Collins. Man, if he, if he wants to give up on the whole coaching thing, I think he's got a uh, broadcast analyst career ahead of him. So um, that's uh, Chris Collins with Steve Cochran and Dave Ennett on WGN. When we come back, we'll get to buried headlines on Sports Central. Chicago's Sports Conversation. This is Sports Central with Adam Hogue. This is Sports Central. WGNRadio.com. Appreciate you tuning in. Happy Tournament Day, everybody. I know everybody's staring at their brackets and being very non-productive at work. For some of you, that may just be a regular day at the office. Um... I think we spend more time waste. Like, how many minutes do we waste at work talking about how many minutes we waste at work when the tournament's on? Probably more minutes than just being non-productive. Like, you know, there's some guy right now by the water cooler at his job, and he's talking to his buddy. Like, dude, did you see that number? How many minutes are wasted around America during the tournament? Happy tournament day, everybody. I hope you're enjoying it. Rhode Island over Oklahoma in the opener. That was a fun one to watch. Uh, it's time for Buried Headlines here on Sports Central. And um, producer Ben sent me this, and this is just crazy. John Skipper says he left ESPN after someone he bought cocaine from tried to extort him. Former ESPN president John Skipper cited a substance abuse problem as the cause for his resignation when he left the network last December. There have since been no details revealed about the nature or severity of that problem, but in an interview with The Hollywood Reporter published today, Skipper reveals two things, that he was a user of cocaine and that he resigned after someone he had purchased cocaine from attempted to extort him. I mean, there's just so many layers to this story. Like, this is something you see in a Hollywood movie. The big boss man with some sort of bad drug habit. Next thing you know, his family's at risk because some drug dealer's trying to extort him. I'd go see that one. I'd, def- I'd, I'd, definitely s- I'd see that one see too, that one. Ben. The interview conducted by James Andrew Miller begins with Skipper stating that he checked himself into a facility in order to seek treatment for his abuse problem. After some pressing by, Miller Skipper reveals that the substance he was abusing was cocaine, but clarifies that he was never a daily user and didn't allow his drug use to interfere with his work. Confused as to why what sounds like recreational drug use would necessitate Skipper's resignation, Miller presses him for more specifics. It is directly from the 
interview. Well, John, with all due respect, I'm a bit confused. There seems to be a big piece missing to this story. I'm looking at my notes. First, you've shared that you were an infrequent user of cocaine, something that could be true of others in the entertainment and media business. I'm not an expert in this area, but I'm not sure some would even call that an addiction. Second, you've stated categorically that you that your use never got in the way of your work. And third, you've admitted that on days leading up to your decision to resign, you had no thoughts of resigning. None of that seems to explain why you reached the decision you had to resign. I know this is difficult, John. I hope you understand why I'm pushing a bit here. Skipper uh, jumps in, says, In December, someone from who I bought cocaine attempted to extort me. What did they say? Skipper says, quote, they threatened me, and I understood immediately that threat put me and my family at risk, and this exposure would put my professional life at risk as well. I foreclosed that possibility by disclosing the details to my family, and then when I discussed it with Bob Iger, who runs Disney and ABC and all that, basically Disney, he's the president, uh, as when I discussed it with Bob, he and I agreed that I had placed the company in an untenable position, and as a result, I should resign. Pretty wild. John Skipper, I remember this story popped a few months ago that he was resigning from ESPN, and now apparently he's been a recreational user. And and um, I think I saw also when I was reading the story, it wasn't in this in this in these printed pages here, but that he basically said he got into cocaine because he was like a counterculture guy. Did you see that as well, Ben? Yeah, it's <clears throat> something along those lines. I don't remember the details. I've never heard of counter counterculture people. Which to me, I just think of hippies immediately when he, when somebody says that. I'm not, I would think that it would be like marijuana or LSD. Yeah, yeah, something a little more recreational. <laughs> I never thought more it's mellowed out. Cocaine is a recreational, I guess. I don't know. Um, anyways, that's uh, those are buried headlines on Sports Central. Appreciate you guys listening. Happy Tournament Day! Thanks to Jared Payton who joined us from Bradley Place at WGN TV. So he gets set to do his show Sports Feed tonight. Adam Hogue is at Hallis Hall because. Bears press conference is about to begin 2 o'clock Central Time. That's when we will uh, hear from the Bears' newest free agent signings. Thank you to Ben Anderson, the producer, Joe Romano, also behind the glass. Thank you guys for helping out today. Adam Hogue, Jared Payton, I'm Kevin Powell. Thanks for listening. Happy Tournament Day, and uh, appreciate you listening to Sports Central. Follow me on Twitter, at kpowell 720 for tournament stuff and baseball stuff and all that. Oh, and I should add, Episode 2 of my podcast, Powell at the Park Podcast, is up at WGNRadio.com, on iTunes, basically anywhere you can find a podcast. My podcast is there. I talked with Tyler Chatwood, new Cubs starting pitcher. Had a conversation with him out at spring training. Um, also checked in. I uh, got the latest on Jake Arrieta signing with the Phillies. And revisited some of Arietta's highlights in Chicago. I also talked with Andy Mazur, new White Sox pregame host. Thanks again. Happy Thursday, everybody. Enjoy the tournament. Have a great day.